Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hune. Our mission is to help you gain your freedom from the exhausting, never-ending corporate rat race. Because time is our most valuable asset. And life's just too short to do work we hate. Thanks for slowing down. Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast, everybody. My guest today is my friend Lyle Head. Um, Lyle and I have gotten to know each other on LinkedIn, and we've we found a lot of common ground in our shared values, but also our roadmap to get to where we are currently in our lives. And you know, we we had different types of careers and and different degrees of success, but I think just the mentality of chasing after the external expectations, chasing that validation because it was more important to us that other people perceived us as being successful than us feeling in our hearts that we actually were living a good life and and were successful. So Lyle, man, I always enjoy our conversations and I appreciate you coming on here today. No, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to dig deep into some of these. I mean, the thing that always comes to me is that I lived in a life of, I was fear not being accepted which was really, really hard for me to accept, right? That I had a fear, right? Alpha male, sports, dominating captain, number one in all the work that I've ever done, giant houses, luxury cars, all this stuff in my 20s. And to think I had a fear, like there's nobody that was going to tell me that in my 20s that I was afraid of anything, right? I I didn't have any higher power at that time. I thought I was the highest power on the planet. I thought I controlled everything. And I created a world around me where I was in control of everything. And if anything fell out of that control, then I fixed it, right? Whether it was through brute force, whether it was through fear of someone else, whether it was throwing money at it, I did everything I could to protect myself from having to face those fears, right? And I, and I had no idea, I didn't understand any of this, right? I've, I've only learned this in the last seven, eight years of just digging deeper into into myself through journaling, through reflecting, through meditation, all these practices, right? That if you would have told me in my twenties, I would have laughed at you. Like, yeah, it's the last thing. I I feel the same way. Like I, I, the other day I was talking to somebody and they said, um, you know, what, what would your past self think of who you are today? And like today I think, man, like when I was a kid, which is really who I am as a person, like instinctively, what would I think about myself today? I'd, I'd be like, I'm proud, you know, of what you've overcome and how you've shifted your mindset um, to, to valuing things that are important to you and, and prioritizing the right things. And then I think back to where I was, you know, five, 10 years ago and that instinctive nature, you know, m- my child would have said, this guy is a douchebag. I hate this guy, you know? So I almost feel like I'm kind of going back to the way I viewed the world as a kid. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I mean, I, I go and, you know, sit around with the boys and tell stories of things I did in my twenties. And it's like, it's embarrassing. Like it really is embarrassing. Just the, the acts that I did and, you know, that how I had no, I really didn't care about anybody else. Like there was just, I didn't care like about anybody else on the planet. It was all about myself. It was all about making the most amount of money that I could. And I was rewarded constantly for doing it. That's the craziest part, right? You're just constantly rewarded <laughs> over and over and over again for doing from the society side of it. But internally, 
you're holding in all kinds of internal stress that you don't know that's happening, right? Your cortisol levels are high, you're not sleeping. There's all these things that are happening on the inside of you that you have no idea that's going on because through adrenaline and the high dopamine of getting fed by the society side of the world by having fancy cars, having all these certain things, you ignore it and you justify all of it, which is, man, I, I, you know, my story, but I mean, I had a tipping point where I was late twenties, 28 years. I was 28 and I took a trip to Costa Rica and within seven or eight days of being here, I met a guy that's barefoot playing golf every day, watching sunsets. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong with my life? I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm escaping this because I, I didn't, there was no other, I didn't, it was, it was really an escape. Like I didn't know how to get out of the, of this vicious cycle I was in. Right. So let's, let, I want to talk about it. Like, how did you get out of it? Because as you were talking, I mean, the thing that comes to mind is, um, you, you decided to kill that ego finally. Right. Yeah, I had a, a conversation the other day with my friend, um, Kim Skirmer. I don't know if you've heard of her or seen her on LinkedIn, but amazing person. And we talked, she told me about like the four stages that a person goes through. There's the poet, the soldier, the sage, and the king. And the poet is what I was kind of referring to, like your inner child, right? That is creative and follows his curiosity. Then you got the soldier. You, you start to become a, a man or an adult and you have to go out in the world and, and do your thing um, and you got to fight on. But then eventually you get to a point where your inner person, that poet, is saying, what the hell are you doing? Right. And then that's where you become the sage, you know, because you kind of figure out things. You start living more according to your values. And then when you do that for a long enough period of time, you get to that king level. So anyways, I just thought I would share that because I, I thought it. it was a cool story. But it. what I, the question that I wanted to ask is just what was your process? What did your process look like in terms of killing that ego? I mean, it would, I was here for three weeks in Costa Rica and went home for nine days and moved back. Like it was pull the bandaid off. Like I went all in, I left a 5,000 square foot house on a country club to a 350 square foot studio apartment and a bicycle. Like, I just completely flipped everything, left all my material stuff there. And, and luckily I was in a position, I had a little bit of money, nothing crazy, but I had some money that was in Costa Rica's lifestyles, a, a fifth or a sixth of what California it is to live. So I had runway to come and figure out what I wanted to do with my life. But I made a commitment at that time that health was more important than wealth. Like that was the beginning of the, the journey that I was like, I'm going to put health in front of wealth, right? And that's looking at where am I going to, how am I going to live to hundred years old? How am I going to be able to have grandkids and all these things and be able to play with them and do stuff? This money is not going to do it. There was a period of my time in my mid 20s, like before this moment, I truly believed I was just going to make enough money at 50 years old. I was just going to buy a car. Like I was going to have cardiac arrest, all those things were going to happen, but I was going to have helicopters and planes and all these things. And oh I was going to live on the beach in, in, in Santa Monica. And I was just going to go buy all new stuff and get in shape. Those I justified that in my head for a period of time. Like that was my belief, wow. which is just mind boggling. <laughs> like, and then Costa Rica was like, Oh, I can live on the beach right now and play golf every day without going through all. Oh. Hmm. So yeah, that was the beginning stage was really putting the health first 
And now as I've gotten older, I've been here for almost 18 years. This December, it's 18 years. Uh, now I realize it's not even health. It's, well, physical health was the focus then because I was 250 pounds. I was 50, 60 pounds overweight because everything was about partying and hanging out and exercise. That's, I, I can't picture you 50, 60 pounds overweight, man. My blog. I can't believe my wife married me at that. <laughs> I was a little lighter, but <laughs> oh, but now I even realize like the health was part of it, but truly it's the mental health. Like, yeah, everyone talks about mental health, but I don't think really it's kind of a catchphrase right now. It's become what, a buzzword. Yeah. yeah, it's a buzzword, right? Like it's, but it's like real, real deep internal peace. And mental health, I don't think most people are really chasing that or understand what it is to really chase that level of true, you know, resistance-free life, right? It, and that's that's where I've been the last seven or eight years. I mean, that's been my driver of just getting aware of everything that's creating resistance in my life, resistance in my life. And it's, it's hard. Like, it's really, really hard because everything around you and every person is all living in this resistance life that they're trying to protect themselves from, you know, pain that they have from things not happening the way they want them to happen. Right. So, yeah. Um, to me, like wealth is synonymous with well-being. Yeah. You know, the person who has the highest well-being is the person that's the wealthiest. Like if you wake up every morning, all your needs are met. You don't have a, a you know, you don't have an unf unfi unfilled need in the world and you can enjoy the things that you're doing every day. It doesn't really matter how much money that you have. And, um, but, but by having that kind of a mindset and being more at peace and your mental health being better, your physical health being better, odds are you're going to be more productive, more valuable to others. And when you're more valuable to others, you can monetize that. So the, um, the health over wealth, I, I'm, 100% with you on that because you know the uh, stuff that I've gone through and yeah I think there's financial health there's um, mental or, or I'm sorry financial wealth mental wealth physical wealth so there's all these different aspects of wealth that just as a society we've we've sort of ignored for so long being so focused on the financial part of it right 100% that's yeah it's it's a constant battle for me. I, I talk about this a lot. It's a lot easier for me to go out and make money. It's a lot easier for me to play in that arena. Right. But then my wife doesn't get the same attention from me. My daughter doesn't get the same attention from me. My community doesn't all these, my own health is being deteriorated at the same time, but just naturally for me personally, it's so much easier for me to play in the money game. Like hmm. it's easy. I could do it all day, every day, grind out, forget about the rest of the world and just be in that game. But I understand that when I'm 80 and 100 years old, I'm not going to be happy with that person, right? And it's taken that type of exercises to understand, like, I don't want to be that guy. I've seen those people. I know how miserable they are, right? I've met these men that don't have their families anymore and their kids don't want to see them and don't want to be around them and they're by themselves with a bunch of money. Like, and I made a commitment. It's a reminder that I have to almost remind myself every day. It's like an addiction. Like 
chasing money is a is a form of addiction right it's a dopamine mm. so yeah so we've been talking a lot about the um you know the mindset and the and the transformation that you've gone through um and I, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about just, um, you know, in, in the day-to-day life and the day-to-day work that you're doing, um, what did that look like before in this chasing money, you know, hustle kind of a culture? And then kind of what does that look like now? Yeah, I mean, it was all about being the first one in, being the last one out, right? Like outworking everybody, you know, that was that was the mentality in my in my 20s. That's the way we're, that's where you're trained. That's where you're taught to do it, right? That's the way, you know, America so, says you're going to be successful if you put in more work than everyone else. Were you, and you spent most of your career in sales, right? Yeah, I mean, I started so off were you gym memberships. So I was in gym sales, which was an all-day, everyday thing. Like, I work at 24-hour fitness, man. You make sales every 24 hours if you wanted to. Right? And then I got into the mortgage business. Again, mortgages, I did them nationwide. So 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. I could be on the phones, have dialers going, you know, I could, and you could do that six days a week. So why would you not do it every moment that you possibly could do? Was mm-hmm. the mentality. Um, and I killed myself. I mean, I ran myself. I went from being a college football player in shape to a 250 pounds, 40% body fat. And, you know, in six years. Hmm. from just doing the switch. Um, what does life look like now? Life looks like now I have, you know, if I do 20 hours worth of intentional work a week, that's about where I go. I still work 60 or 80 hours a week though, because I'm intentional with all the time that I do. Right. That's the difference. I just feel my energy is was not just in one space, right. To where you get worn out. Yeah. That's that's such a good point, and I because uh, work doesn't necessarily have to mean how you're earning your money, right? So you you look at everything you're doing, and like you're trying to serve your purpose. This is kind of your life's work, right? Can you talk a little bit about that mentality? Hundred percent. I mean, I I need to be doing something. I talk about this all the time. It's like if I'm not doing something that's productive, then I call it you're getting high, right? So you're either really getting high on drugs and alcohol or you're watching TV um, or you're doing something to sabotage yourself. I mean, these are the things that you do when you're not being intentional with your time, right? So for me, I personally have to be super intentional with my time or I'll slip into those things, right? Where, you know, I've done drugs in the past. I mean, I used to drink a lot. Um, So, yeah, I, I can overeat very easily. There's all these little things. So I need to be super intentional with my day. And if I don't have, like, I'm an entrepreneur most of my life. So if I don't fulfill my day, then I, I have the freedom to do whatever I want. So now it's like, I, I really know where my energy patterns are throughout the day. I know when I work the best. I know when the best time for me to be working with, with other people and when I should just be by myself, when I should be doing sports time that I have for my wife and my daughter. And I'm able to balance out my day per se, um, making sure my energy levels are at the highest and I'm more productive than I ever could imagine being when I was in my twenties, like eight or nine businesses running at the same time. And, you know, but I only do the things that I'm good at and everything that I do, which keeps your energy up. 
Yeah. Yeah. You got to focus on things that are going to fill your battery versus drain it. You know, one, one thing I've learned about myself is that, you know, I'm more of a natural introvert. So like having conversations like this and having conversations with my clients, I love them because they're conversations that are meaningful to me. Um, it's work that's meaningful to me. It's people that are pretty cool to talk to. Um, but I still need to kind of have my downtime to, to re-energize myself. So I guess just having the awareness of it is, is probably the most important thing, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's just, I mean, that word awareness too is always hard for me as well because it's one of these words that everyone thinks they're aware. It, yeah, it makes you think <laughs> you, you figured it out. Yeah. It, it's like awareness is like an ongoing process. It's not like a destination, right? Not a, no, like <laughs> I'm aware now because every moment I think I know a little bit more about myself, I'm learning something new about myself. So the further I, the more I'm able to allow people to be comfortable enough to share with me the things that they don't like about me, really is what it comes down to. You know, when most of your, most of the things that, most of the things that you're, that people around you look at you as, and if they have a negative annotation to those things, they just think that that's just the way you are. And the last thing I would ever want is for someone to think that's just the way I am and it actually bothers them. Hmm. Right. If it's something that, if it's something that I can, that I could change, right? That's something that I that I'm that I'm lacking aware that I'm doing that that's bothering them. Because some things just bother people and you can't do anything about it, right? Like there's no there's no fixing those. But when it comes to like my wife and my daughter and the people that love me that are closest to me, like making sure they have a very easy and comfortable, safe place to be able to have conversations with me about things that I'm doing that's frustrating them or bothering them has been huge 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 for our family personally so as i'm getting to know more and more people that are entrepreneurs um they they definitely have a mindset that aligns kind of with what we've been talking about here it's more of an abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset which is what you typically find like in the corporate world so have you experienced that transformation as well or have you always kind of thought this way yeah, I've been I've been lucky, man. I I've have a very short memory of anything that bad happens since some okay. I'm blessed with since I've been young. Like bad just disappears, and it's I've always been going for the next, and uh, and I, it's probably got something to do with my fear of not being accepted, right? That gave me that drive to. And the fear of failure that kept driving me to forget about the negative and keep pushing forward to, to win is really the sports world is what created this for me. I think it's just the, the idea of just wanting to win. And once you taste that and doing whatever it, um, doing whatever is necessary to, to be successful in, in a, in a sports game per se. Yeah. It's, I mean, we grow up. And some of my fondest memories that I can, some of my fondest and first memories that I can remember from my childhood is, you know, getting a trophy, you know, especially in sports, like winning the, the division or whatever. And so like at a very early age, you're conditioned to get that external validation and to compete, you know, and 
that's certainly by design as I'm starting to learn a little bit more as I kind of raise my level of awareness along this journey. Um, Lyle, I got to ask you, personally, I feel like I would love to live in Costa Rica, man. Um, but, you know, when you've got a family, everyone has to be on board with that kind of a life change, yeah. right? So you have a family. What was that decision like for you guys in making the decision to go there? I got like I met my wife here, so. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah, there's no decision had to be made. The decision was she was from Colombia, but she had been down here for she'd been up here in Costa Rica for a few years. Um, the decision was when we first got together was we were traveling to the states and back to Colombia, and it was like, wait, where do we want to raise a family? Where do we want to live? Um, and luckily, she didn't want to live in the U.S. after experiencing it. She had this picture of what the United States was, right? The everything was just glitter and gold everywhere. And I went and showed her the full spectrum of California where I grew up. And um, you just got to see Vegas and the Miamis and the New Yorks and see all these Houstons and see these places. And she realized that where we're at here on this little beach town, that's a community that's super diverse, that this is a really cool place to, to live. And it's a, I think it's a, for me, it's a perfect place to raise a child. I have people question me all the time about it. I mean, a friend just asked me a couple of weeks ago, hey, I heard the crime's getting bad up there, down there, and this and that, and going on, and this, you know, prostitution's legal here, you have a daughter. I said, for me, I want to expose my daughter to as much of the world as she possibly can while she's in my household, right? And if I can do it in a non-city environment, but get the city aspect like the diversity of a city i'm in a town of fifteen thousand people and we have every nationality and every social class you can imagine right and there's little i mean we have billionaires that are that are down here and we have the crackhead with one leg riding a bike on the street right the full spectrum and you get you can see all of it every single day right and she's fully exposed to that and to be able to have those conversations and her understanding that versus small town in america where you're going to get one race, maybe two, right? You're going to be very vanilla, very, you're not going to see a lot of the world and then have to leave and go to college and go out to the real world and not have any exposure. Like that scared, that scared me about raising a kid. Like I wanted my daughter to be as much struggle that she could possibly have and learning about the real world in my household, the better. Hmm. And then people think of diversity as like racial diversity, but I don't know is it if it's necessarily that there where, where you live or it's more like just the socioeconomic diversity. It's both, right? So we have we have everything. We have Canadians, we have French, we have Germans, we have I mean it's a melting pot. It's a tourist town. And then you have okay. all the tourists that are coming here. Right. So we have the tourists that are flowing in and out all the time. And then you have this diversity of different cultures. I mean, this a lot of the commercial centers are owned by Italians that have been here for years, right? And then you have the Costa Ricans, you have the Colombians, you have Dominicans here, you have Venezuelans, you know, that are migrating right now. I mean, every we have a very melting pot. Like I would consider our block, which is it's only three miles long, the whole beach, is like being in San Francisco when it comes to the diversity that's available there, right? Both mm. social and uh, economical as well as cultural which is, to me, you can't find it in a place of 15,000 people. 
Like my buddy the other day is messaging me, hey, your daughter's outside. It looks like she's waiting for a taxi, but I just want to let you know I saw her because she was by herself. You got the, the benefits of the you know diversity that you would see in a large city, but then you've got the slower pace of life that you would have in a small community. I think about this often, um, you know, as an entrepreneur in the digital age where you can do business online and live wherever you want, like the knee jerk reaction is to say, all right, I'm going to start an online business and then I'm going to go, you know, move somewhere where it's a lower cost of living and, you know, it's a slower pace of life. What I'm finding is you can almost kind of create that type of a, a of an environment within a big city if you're intentional about it. Like I live in a little in a community that's part of East Dallas, a giant city, but we still have kind of a nice community feel with all the friends that we've been making with with my son going to school and everything. And it, like we have a very low cost of living, you know, like I hardly ever drive my car. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of money on a car to impress people. Yeah. And when we do stuff, it's like we walk, you know, to a neighborhood restaurant, grab a little bite to eat and get some ice cream and like that's all the money we spend on the weekend. So like, yeah, I just, I think that's something that's important for entrepreneurs to understand is that when you, uh, well, people that are considering entrepreneurship is that when you can run an online business, you can kind of create this sort of an environment that you're describing. I, I agree. I mean, it was just, I came here. I like being on the beach, golf's accessible to me. I love to fish, all those things. It just, it worked for me. Um, can I go back to the States and still be the same person I am today? I believe so. Like it's, and what you talked about, I talk about with people here because I've had, I've had the thoughts over the years where you get all like, I'm assuming a lot of people have started sustainable communities here, like by themselves. And the thing I keep telling all my friends and all the people that I connected with here is like, we're going to build a community within a community. Like why go and try to build our own community, right? Like an actual village somewhere and produce all our own food and do all that kind of stuff. Like we can partner with each other here and be in the world with everyone else and build a community within a community. And that's what sounds like you're doing in a large yeah. city, but it's in, it's being intentional, making sure you're going out and, and getting around the right people, right? Not getting stuck in. Like for me, I was stuck in a circle of friends that I had to eliminate all those people out of my life because they were not the people I wanted to be in my life for the rest of my life. Hmm. Right. And that's what happens. Like I was on a coaching call this morning with, a, with, a, with one of my clients and he went, he's got these old high school buddies and they always make him feel bad because they're like, they're macho and they got a girlfriend and once having a baby, but he has a girlfriend and they all act like everything's great. They're partying all the time and they act like everything is like, perfect in their lives and that he's losing out because he's being faithful and, 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 and getting off alcohol and like makes him feel bad. And I'm like, why do you continue to surround yourself around these people? Mm -hmm. What is your commitment to them? Yes. You've known them since you were a child, but if they're bringing you down and not lifting you up, I'm like, when you have a wife and kids do, is this the model that you want to go show them? Like you gotta make, you gotta make hard decisions. It's tough. Like when you kind of cut people out of your life, it's really, really difficult. It's not an easy thing. I mean, it's, I've, I've had to do a lot of it and it's, it's not fun, but it's definitely, it's, if you want to grow and you, and you don't want to be, continue to be held back, then you 
you have to do it. You have to surround yourself around the right people. 100%. Really difficult to do, but you're, you're right. You just have to. Um, I want to go back to talking a little bit more about community because there's a lot of problems in our society today. And I feel that you know, having a sense of community and actually caring about people again is, is what can get us out of all these problems that we have. And so I'm, I'm wondering, um, you know, everything that you've learned living in a community like you do in Costa Rica, how can you sort of apply that as an entrepreneur, as a business owner to kind of create these business communities around yours where the rising tide can lift all boats? Is that something that you think about? All the time, man. Everything. I mean, all my businesses that I'm involved in are all local. They're all here, right? They're all with individual small entrepreneurs that I helped start their businesses that were working with someone else that had a dream of doing something and I helped them start a small business, right? So, you know, got a website company, a, a photography company, uh, tours and activities. These are the little businesses that we've, I've been able to help to build our community. Um, when it comes to impacting and what you said about, what you said about a community, the, necess the necessity of community, I think I 100% agree with you. And the urban sprawl and all that is when we started taking away communities from, from the United States. Like there's really no communities. And everyone thinks their community is like online, right? So all they do is they own fill themselves up with people that are just a hundred percent like them that are online. And then they're in these divided communities that are fighting. Mm. That's what I see, right? You have this division. Um, but ultimately, like what I always tell, tell everyone. And I always continue to tell myself, like it all starts with you as the individual, like, we put so much energy into all these external factors, right? Whether it's, let's say, Ukraine, whether it's, you know, something that's going on in Africa, all these different places that we're being distracted on and we're not focusing on ourselves right here. How do we be the best version of ourselves? How do we make sure that we raise the best version of human beings that we brought into this world, right? How do we, are we the best? neighbors how are we i mean with all the people that you touch and feel every single day like we're distracted by all this noise that's outside of our control and we're not focused on building the most important thing which is ourselves which that's ultimately every single religion that's all they talk about is that it starts all within yourselves and you need to let go of the distractions if you want to find that spirit that god that you know that um that holiness, like you have to find it within yourself. It's the only place. So, yeah, this um, this idea of like constantly being pulled in in many directions and not focusing on developing ourselves, I think that's at the heart of most people, like undervaluing themselves and not reaching their full potential. You know, I hear it all the time from entrepreneurs. Like, I was making my company, you know, 20 times what they were paying me, you know, and corporate America is never going to pay you what you're worth. That's a terrible business decision. Like they want you because you're just a, you know, commodity, like a piece of steel and they want to get you at the lowest price that they can to maximize their quarterly profits. 
So um, tell me a little bit. I know you, you, you've been doing a lot of coaching work. Um, I'm just curious if you can explain a little bit about some of the or maybe even give some examples about some of the conversations that you've had about doing that internal work and the type of results that that can lead to from a business standpoint. For sure. I mean, I always start with everyone. You have to, you have to put that work in to figure out what your values are. You have to put in that work. And most people don't ever want to go just the basics. Start right there. It's values, create a value statement, something that you can believe in and follow, you know, something that, tie it to tie it to purpose and then now go look at where you're spending your time and day. Like that's the foundation to everything. Like where am I spending my time every single day? Is it aligned with my values and my ultimate purpose? Right. Most are so far off when it comes that it's, it's overwhelming. Right. And that's why they don't want to create the values and purpose because they don't want to have to look at themselves in the mirror and see that they're not actually living. Right. So for me, it's like, Hey, let's get past that fear. Let's get these down. We understand that everything's not the way you want it to be today, but what's one thing that we can start changing tomorrow to start aligning with these values? What's one new habit? What's one new behavioral change that we can start doing? And that's where it starts. It literally starts one habit, one behavioral change at a time, trying to do 20 of them, never works. It never has. You can have a bunch of them that you're happening, but you only want to hold yourself accountable to one change. Because my experience is everyone I talk to, it, I ask them in the last five years, what are, what are five habits that they changed in their life positively or behavioral changes? Most changed nothing. They've tried, hmm. right? But most have not changed anything when it comes to behavioral or habit changes in their lives over the years. And I started this Stephen Covey 25 years ago, even when I was a shithead, right? I was already starting making little habit changes in my life. Uh, but it takes making the habit change and earning trust with yourself is the first step, which I find with people that just keep trying things and keep failing over and over again and beating themselves up that they're no good. Or, oh, I can't lose weight or, oh, I can't stop alcohol. Or, I can't do this. Well, they haven't even created one basic new habit like that they've proven to themselves that they can do. Right. Mm -hmm. One is just drink a glass of water every morning. It's always one. Like that was one of my first was just drink a glass of water every morning until it became autopilot. And it's autopilot. I don't even think about it. I make a glass of water every night. I set it in the same place on the table. I wake up in the morning and drink a glass of water. Like don't even have to think about it anymore. There was a time where I didn't do it though. Right. And then what's the mm -hmm. next one that you stack on it? What's the next one that you stack on? And I felt confident with myself that I say, if I'm going to do one habit that I can stick to it until it changes. Right. This year has been one of the most difficult behavioral changes I've ever tried to put myself through. Uh, I'm still nowhere close. I might be working on this for the rest of my life. Um, it's really, really different. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I read a book called uh, A Complaint-Free World by Will Bowman. And the challenge is to go 21 days without criticizing, complaining, or gossiping. Ooh, that's tough for most people. I, I, even a day is tough. <laughs> like, you get around the road, you get around certain buddies or certain things, and someone oh, asks man. you about, I mean, it how often did someone in. ask you about a person? 
Or you talk to your mom and they're talking to you about your sister, or you talk to your mom and they're talking to you about your grandma. I mean, just that right there, you're gossiping. So, mm -hmm. right? My poor mother was like, she tried to do it. She's like, I don't even know how I'm going to have a conversation with you. <laughs> you know, I've made it like this four, I've made it four days. I might have made it five days. But again, it's hard to even know if no one calls you out on it. Because so much of it is done on autopilot, you have no idea you're doing it. It's it's been a it's been a crazy one. So that what you're talking about and just kind of you know brick by brick, you just have to do one thing at a time and build something that's going to be sturdy and going to be sustainable, right? Um, and I, th I think like people they just have this obsession with the quick fix man like whether it's like i think i see it all the time with investing people want like oh what's the next thing that's going to 10x you know and like it's you've got a better chance of getting struck by lightning than, than being the one that gets in on that at the right time right but people they just want that quick fix and um i see someone like you who from where you are where you were before to where you are now it's such a radical change but you've done it one step at a time. So it's all about, again, just like kind of making those habits and letting things compound over time, whether it's your investment of dollars or whether it's the way you're investing your time, like whatever, whatever forces you're putting out into the world, they're going to compound. So be careful where you're applying your time and your money, right? hundred percent. I mean, a cool one, my daughter, um, I think it was a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, we're sitting in the we're in the car and someone pulls out in front of me and I'm just like, no big deal. Didn't even react. No, it was just like, Daddy, a few years ago, you would have yelled at that guy. <laughs> I'm like, I, I would have, you know, but but because of you and seeing that I didn't want to pass this on to you because it was passed on from my father. Yeah. Right, caught me the awareness going, wow, why am I getting down at someone in a car? Like, no control, right? Like, and I've learned how to let go of that resistance, right? But happened in my 40s, you know, not because it was time for me to, to learn that, right? And that's where, yeah, a lot of my clients, they, they'll get to a point, like, where am I, when am I going to be where like, I can't wait to where I'm, where you're at? I'm like, no, because I'm in the same place you're at when it comes to struggle. I don't struggle any different. We all struggle the same. I have the same types of struggles that are happening. I just know how to channel them differently now. It's the only difference. Like it doesn't become one day where you just wake up and it's just like, oh, the sun is shining. It's just everything is happening exactly the way it's supposed to happen every single day. All it does, the only thing that happens is that you created a bigger gap between stimulus and response, and you're able to stop and be aware of what's happening and go, hmm, I am alive. Why would I put negative energy out on this? There's really no benefit. Like the world is all energy. And every moment that I put out negative energy, I'm wasting my opportunity on this planet. And that's what I've gotten to. I've gotten to that point from years and years of just dedicated practice, doing things that I didn't believe would even work, you know, sitting in, in a quiet room and listening to some guy tell me to let go of my thoughts for 10 minutes every day. I still do it. There's still days where I can't, I'm thinking about 800 other things while I'm, while I'm doing my meditation, but I know it is working. 
Man, Lyle, I love your mindset. I always love our conversations. I always leave them inspired. And I, I can just tell you just keep doing what you're doing and living the life, living life the way that you're living, then you're always going to feel wealthy until the day that you die. And, and that's kind of what I think that I want this show to be about with affordable freedom is like, let's start looking at wealth and success as something more than just a dollar sign. So I appreciate you coming on here today, my friend. Um, if people want to get to know you a little bit more and find more information about your services, where should they go? Yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best. Um, just look me up, Lylehead. Um, I also have a website. It's lylehead.com. My name is spelled a little different. L-I-S-L-E, like an aisle. And the last name, Head, H-A-D. So. Cool. All right, my friend. Well, thank you. And uh, we'll talk again soon, all right? Thanks, man. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening today. And if you have a moment, check out my website at reflectivewealth.com. Everything you need to know about my business is there. Because if there's one thing I've learned in my career, transparency and accountability are critical to a healthy financial services industry. Thanks and see you next time.